Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime in Hockeytown. Starting his career in the Windy City with the Chicago Blackhawks and winning three Stanley Cups with that team, Patrick Kane decided to turn over a new leaf and move over to Broadway to play with the New York Rangers, another original six team. And now he is headed to another original six team with a lot of hockey history. Can Patrick Kane help the Red Wings make the playoffs and how far can they go? Episode 390 of the Lace Villa Podcast starts right now. And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. To the show, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. Alex Debrinkit, old buddies with Patrick Kane, reunited in the motors. Hey, Brad. Yeah, it was, um, you know, I had thought that he would go back to Buffalo. Um, that's been my, I guess, it, I wouldn't say pipe dream, because it's not like I really wanted it, but I had kind of predicted that for a little bit. But um, it looks like that didn't happen. Also, Buffalo is kind of struggling now, so maybe it makes sense that Patrick Kane is, is not going there. Um but yeah, what, what is funny, and then there was like a report early on before he signed that there was a report that he might go to the Bruins, which would have been interesting for me, because um, I'm not necessarily sure how he would fit. Also, Pasternak has, wears number 88, um, and I don't think he would give it to Patrick Kane um, if they were on the same team. Um as great as Patrick Kane is, but yeah, he ends up signing with another an original six team. And now I have a new dream where I want Patrick Kane to play for all six of the original six teams. Now <laughs> uh, he's, he has three, three down three to go. Um, it'll be weird if he, I mean, admittedly it'll be weird if he plays in Montreal or Toronto and Boston but I, I really want this to happen because I don't think that's ever happened where a, like a player um, plays for all six of the original six teams, even back in the day when the original six were the original yeah. six. But um, I don't think it's going to happen considering the fact that Patrick Kane is 35 years old right now. He's just coming off of a hip surgery uh, that uh, we should note is like hasn't like a big reason why he decided to sign right now instead of at the beginning of the season or, you know, in the summer was because he's coming off of a hip surgery and no player older than 35 has ever come back from this in, um, and obviously he's not like what he used to be. Like he used to be the best player in the world. Um, but, uh, right now, like, yeah, uh, two years ago, he had 92 points in 78 games for a bad Chicago Blackhawks team. So, he still has some left in the tank and even still like when he was playing for the Rangers um, after the trade deadline, he had 12 points in 19 games, um, which isn't bad. Um, and then for Chicago last year, he had 45 points in 54 games for an even worse Chicago team. Um, and so it's, it's not like bad numbers from a points perspective. It's just not what we expect out of Patrick Kane, really. Um, but I, I put that into perspective because he now joins the Detroit Red Wings. Um, they're kind of like been the sneaky team um, now. Um, 
Now, uh, even like before um, Patrick Kane decided to sign, um, and uh, yeah, in fact, uh, the Detroit is in a playoff position right now if uh, the season ended today at 29 points in 23 games, um, and that would put them third in the Atlantic uh, right now. So they do become a kind of an interesting team. Um, also, I believe uh, like Larkin missed the last game because uh, he had like some, oh, his, um, going to sad news, his, uh, his newborn died uh, tragically. So that's why um, he had missed some time. But on the other hand, um, just in terms of, I feel like there's no way to transition from that. Uh, but, no. um, but like to bring Cat's been um, as good as advertised, even better. Um, than he was in Ottawa. Sorry, Steve. Yep. Um, and uh, even like guys that's like without Patrick Kane once again. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Um, and then like even even still, you have um, like uh, Mort Sider has come back to what we expected. Like he had a bat, he had a significant sophomore slump last year, but 16 points in 23 games uh, this year. Uh, that's that's pretty good. Um, you also have. Um, yeah, Alex DeBrincat has 23 points in 23 games right now. Um, Larkin, when he's healthy, he has 22 points in 21 games. Even like uh, guys like Robbie Fabry has nine points in 11 games on like a third line. Um, Joe Valino has had his moments, even though it, it, he, he wouldn't be um, just looking at the stats. But yeah, he has nine points in 23 games. Um, Lucas Raymond has 19 points in 23 games. Um, and then I guess even like the bigger story is Alex Lyon is now on the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, technically he is a backup, but I wouldn't be shocked to see that he, um, starts to get more starts. Cause I mean, I know it's a, a small sample size and all that stuff, but, uh, in four games, he has a 1.26 GAA and a save percentage of 958. Uh, Billy Huso has a 891 save percentage, um, in 13 games, um, and 3.48 GAA. Um, I guess James Reimer, he has been pretty good, but he, I think he's just gotten injured and all. Uh, but yeah, in six games, he has a 9.17 save percentage and a GAA of 2.3. So that's better than Ville Huso. Um, so I am kind of interested from that perspective as well. I uh, can uh, take the mantle here. Um, but, oh, wait, uh, lastly, before I get into Patrick Kane and his involvement with the team um daniel sprong 16 points in 23 games um on the fourth line again because he did this w when he was in seattle uh so for whatever reason i guess he just works mm -hmm. on the fourth line and can get points on the fourth line um and uh yeah he he just does that which is something that's you know when you get into the playoffs that's something that you definitely need is like, yeah, obviously you want your stars to play, which they have, but uh, Arkin, Raymond, uh, Sider, and DeBrincat. But if you can get Sprong going, if you can get Robbie Fabry going, if you can get Andrew Kopp going even, David Perron, um, you could, like, you're kind of working with something there. Um, and obviously if you're yeah. to Yeah, Joey Valeno is, is another guy too. Yeah. And and when the Red Wings, you know, were in the heyday, you know, late nineties, early two thousands, yep. when they were they dominant in the league, it's got part of their calling cards. They could run all four lines, yep. and you had guys like 
Kurt Mulpey and Darren McCarty that were putting their stamp on the team in their own in their own unique way. Mm. And they they weren't a team that you could take a shift off of because yep. they were just relentless. Exactly. And and like, you know, going back to Seattle with Daniel Sprong, it's like that was a big reason why they were so successful last year was because mm-hmm. they could roll out any line. It doesn't matter if it was the first line. You're, you're, there's a good chance that they're going to score a goal there. So that is like good from like a forward. And like, that's kind of, you know, for trade deadline purposes, that's kind of what you need. Um, when, um, you know, um, a lot of like contending teams, they just grab a, a guy who's just going to be on your third line or even your fourth line. And like that's the whole purpose, because that comes in handy come the playoff time, um, which is, which adds to this point of like, okay, Patrick Kane, He's going to be inserted into this lineup. He's going to have some time to gel with this team. Um, and it, yeah, it's only a one-year deal worth $2.75 million. We did mention, or Steve mentioned at the lead-in, that uh, he's reuniting with Dibber and Cat. I'm sure that was a bigger pull for him things. Um, which is kind of funny because he w- played for the Rangers where he reunited with Panarin. Now he's reuniting with Dibber and Cat. Um, afterwards, um, which is kind of what ended up happening when he was in Chicago, where Panarin left, and then all of a sudden, oh, we have this guy, up-and-coming prospect as well, named Alex Zubrincat. Um, and um, and both of them are good with, in their own right, without Patrick Kane, as we've come to know. Um, but, as I had mentioned last year, he did have uh, 57 and 73 games, 12 points and nineers in particular, um, which is not bad even still, but um, obviously like, you know, yeah, yeah. With the, even with the injuries, like yeah. that's, that's pretty decent. Yeah. It's, it's, it's decent. However, like this is Patrick Kane. We're talking about, this is a guy who had 106 points in 2015, 20, uh, 2016. Um, he's always been, or he had 110 points in 2018, 2019, and those, like, you know, I guess the 2015-2016 teams, that was, like, the year after they um, they uh, won that their, the third Stanley Cup. But, you know, mm-hmm. this is, like, you know, and obviously it's not bad coming from a guy who's, who claims that, um, let me pull this quote here, that, so he talked to TNT the day after uh, he signed, um, and he said a lot of interesting things because he... Uh, he said how like he would came up. He talked to Yeiserman. He talked to Derek Lalonde, the head coach, and he was um, he was impressed by both of them. And obviously, you know, when you're talking to a like when you're talking to Yeiserman, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's that makes a lot of sense. And he said like, my heart was in Detroit. I would think about a place, and it would be all about the, that place for a day. My heart and my mind would, for some reason, always come back to Detroit. So it seemed like the right fit for me. However. What he did say, um, uh, oh, I, I have another point as well, but um, I know I'm talking a lot. I'm sorry, Steve, but I do <laughs> want to get this quote in. I know for yep. a fa- I know he was just asked, like, you know, how are you like recovering and all that stuff from the the fact. He said, I know for a fact I'm going to be better than I was last year and even the year before. I put up decent numbers, but I couldn't really move laterally or side to side. So the fact that, I mean, yeah, he might be better than he was, like 57 points in 73 games. 
we know that he's better than that because this is like uh, already a first ballot Hall of Famer, the best American-born player right now. I mean, I, I, I assume eventually Austin Matthews is going to pass him, but uh, right now Patrick Kane is the best American player uh, right now. But to say that you're going to be even better than you were two years ago when you had 92 points in 78 games and you're 35, you're just coming off of a hip surgery, that seems kind of crazy. Like, I like I know that Patrick Kane is probably, like, you know, have to be some level of confident um, when you're an athlete and all that stuff. But to say that you're the, like, you're going to be even better than a 92-point player um, in 78 games, um, that that is kind of stretching it, especially because it's like, you know, if he if he does do that, I guess that's like a, I have to like look that up. I think that's um, hold on. Let me just do the quick math here. I have it handy. That's one point one seven points per game. Um, so um, in an eighty two uh, point game season, that would be ninety five points. Um, which I I guess coming back in the middle of the season, but. I don't know. I um, I guess it's it, it seems kind of crazy to me, but I do think that this does make the Red Wings better. Um, it makes the Atlantic Division a lot interest more interesting um, to begin with because now it's like, oh, okay, like Detroit is actually going to be taken seriously. I still think they have some goaltending issues, but I you know I can't say that it like wasn't worth a shot for Detroit to take this take this on. I mean, anytime you can add to a team that's already looking pretty good is a win. Yep. I mean, you look at the way that Detroit operates offensively, the only team with more goals scored than the Red Wings is the Vancouver Canucks, and they have 10 more than the Red Wings, and that's largely because their power play is so good. Now, mind you, Detroit's power play to start the year was with ridiculous rate. It's since cooled off, but they're still over 23%. That's pretty good in the NHL. Um, if I would have to say one thing where Patrick Kane um, can kind of improve the Red Wings, maybe getting, getting them off to better starts, they're kind of pedestrian middle of the pack in that regard. Their second period and third period scoring both are in the top 10. In particular, their second period goal scoring is second. Um, so I think his ability to kind of generate offense even if he doesn't score, just his ability to make things happen with his unique set of skills, uh, I think can open up the ice and open up scoring chances early on for Detroit to get those early advantages. When you look at uh, Detroit's records um, in, in the league, they've been on a bit of a hot streak, but they've been winning uh, a lot of close games so far this season. And I think when you add a guy like Patrick Kane, if he can help you get that extra goal or two, that's definitely going to help you uh, in the grand scheme of things, especially because, as we've said many times before, the East is a freaking juggernaut. Like the Columbus Blue Jackets um, are getting barely any offense from Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Laine, and they just beat the Boston Bruins in regulation yep. with Spencer Martin in net. Uh, sorry for the painful flashback, Brett, but yeah. it just goes to show you that if a team like Columbus can do that, uh, there's going to be very little give and take in this conference, and that's where the majority of Detroit's games is going to be played in. 
So if you're Detroit, you better bulk up on firepower any way you can. And to have a guy like Patrick Kane of his caliber, of his skill set, coming in on $2.75 million for just a year, that's a bargain you take 10 out of 10, even though the hip resurfacing surgery that he just went through, out of the rare times it's been executed in NHL history, the track record necessarily hasn't been positive. Yep. Uh, Nicholas Backstrom, for example, I think his stat line was 22 points in 45 games before he uh, went uh, on the shelf and took some time away from hockey due to injury-related reasons. Brett, you can correct me on that if I'm wrong, but it was it was well below half a point a game or just yep. under that. Um, there's also, right. I think, Ryan Kessler underwent that same operation. Right. He never played again, and there were a couple of other guys on that short list that never played again too. So while Patrick Kane is definitely confident that he can bounce back and, you know, be the guy that he was a couple of years ago, that's great to hear. But the reality is this isn't an easy injury to come back from. And even if a, he is able to return to form somewhat, um, it might take a little bit of time. So I think the real test in terms of, what Patrick Kane can provide will be focused on in January once you uh, see teams like L.A. come into Detroit. Uh, they play L.A. twice in January. They also play teams like uh, the Edmonton Oilers. They mm. play a lot of Eastern Conference heavyweights as well. I think they play a couple of other Western Conference heavyweights in January too outside of the Kings. Um, so Detroit's definitely going to be uh, – Detroit's measuring stick, I would say – in terms of how good they can be is going to show up in January as they're getting those upper echelon groups of teams like your Florida's, like your Tampa Bay's, that can score it well and have proven that they can score it well. Right. And the question is obviously going to be, can Detroit's offense and their defense uh, keep up? And Patrick Kane is going to be uh, a key example of that. And uh, just uh, real quick, I uh, wanted to take a look at Detroit's record uh, in one goal games. Uh, they are four, three, and three in that regard uh, this season. And I say that because uh, Detroit's probably going to find themselves in a lot of those situations uh, as the season progresses. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, so in terms of our questions, we we did answer what does this do for Detroit. Uh, do you think they are a playoff team, though? Um, I definitely think, I definitely think it's plausible and I definitely think this is their best chance to make the playoffs, um, post COVID, um, heading into COVID, um, they were terrible. Yep. And in the years prior to that, they were not a playoff team. They weren't terrible, but they definitely weren't good enough to make the playoffs like they were in previous seasons. Yep. Um, and I think with the way Dylan Larkin is going, the way Debrinkit's going, and how he could be going if uh, Patrick Kane's on his line, the depth scoring that they have, mm -hmm. um, everything's just clicking for them. All they need is consistent goaltending, um, whether it's Reimer, whether it's Huso, whether it's Alex Lyon, who uh, in two of the four games that he's played, he's faced uh, Toronto and New Jersey, right. which are you know highly regarded offenses on paper across the league. Mm -hmm. So. Um, it's not like he's performing against scrubs every night. Um, yep. He's been getting some pretty good opponents, Minnesota and Chicago in between, and he looked pretty good in those games too. Um, 
I, I think defense and goaltending, um, much like uh, we've seen with, you know, other on the bubble Eastern Conference teams, um, I, I definitely think one thing that uh, Detroit uh, was able to do this time around compared to last time is that last time they got off to a hot start and then they kind of fell off a little bit and it was tough to sustain that kind of momentum. They've been able to sustain the momentum this time around, even if it's winning a 5-4 game in overtime like they did against Montreal on Saturday. They're finding ways to win those close games and uh, their performance in one goal games is ultimately going to determine if they're a playoff team or not. But I definitely think it's plausible. I'm not going to say they're a slam dunk team in, but because everything is, like I said, so crowded. But I definitely think if you're looking for Detroit teams that have a best shot at making the playoffs in the COVID era, this is without a doubt the best team we've come across. Well, that's not really saying much since they haven't been good. <laughs> um, I am Switzerland. I'm a fence, fence sitter, man. Yeah, yeah. I am what I is. Um, no, no, no. Yeah, I'll say, sure, they'll make the playoffs. Why not? <laughs> I, I give them 60% chance. No, no, no. I, I, I'm, I'm kidding, of course. Um, yeah, I, I guess <laughs> it's, it's December, man. A lot can happen. Yeah, no, no, I know. Um, yeah, it's, you know, a quarter of the way into the season. Um, yeah, and a lot can happen. I think you do have a point, and that's kind of what I was going to say as well, is that, like, yeah, it would have been better if the um, Red Wings went out and got, like, say, like a Noah Hannafin type player or so, I, mm. I don't even know the top, like, defenseman like, uh, who's, like, good both on both offensive and defensive side. Yeah, it probably would have been helpful if they got a defenseman or a goaltender or whatever. Um However, like, obviously it's like Patrick Kane, we've seen what Patrick Kane is capable of. Um, and if you add him to the mix of like Dylan Larkin, Alex Brincat, um, Lucas Raymond, um, even like Robbie Fabry's having an incredible season so far, um, nine points in 11 games. Um, so, so like, if you can add that, like Patrick Kane to the mix, it's like, yeah, it's worth the risk. Um, and, and maybe, who knows, maybe they will go out and get a Noah Hannafin or like another defenseman that they could go out and get. But uh, but yeah, they, they could try to do that eventually anyways. Um, so Yeah, the trade deadline, yeah. to your point, is going to be huge in yeah. terms of what teams do and, and who's adding and who's not yeah. standing, you know, but, standing pat, right? But yeah, I totally agree with you that like a lot of it's going to depend on like how like if the goaltending can keep up and, you know, I, I still have some doubts with Alex Lyon because he's only played four games, but obviously if he can continue to play those, um, play at that level of a 958 save percentage, it's like, yeah, he's, he's going to be pretty good. Um, but I don't think that's going to continue. Um, but even like a 915 you, you would take or a 9, like 13 yeah. save percentage, that, that's fine. Um, and you, we mentioned Seattle uh, last year yep. and how they're able to roll full four lines. The, you look at their goaltending tandem; it wasn't particularly true. great, yeah, but point. it was good enough to get the job done and get wins. Yep. And I think it same same storyline for Detroit. If you're getting the timely saves, uh, you rock like a nine fourteen, nine fifteen. Your GAs yep. around like I don't know two point seven. And, and you're winning a lot more than you're losing, uh, you'll probably take those numbers. Yeah, for sure. Um, also, Detroit is creating a lot of chances with their power play. Uh, no one has more uh, power play opportunities than the Red Wings this year. 
Um, if they could cut down the amount of times they're shorthanded, that would also be great. But if they continue to generate uh, the amount of power plays they've been getting with Patrick Kane in the lineup, that definitely bodes well for their offense. Yep. I also forgot that they had Shane Gosespair, um, 18 points in yeah. 22 games. Speaking of offensive defensemen, yeah. hello Shane. He's yep. uh, turning back the clock to his rookie season. Yeah, yeah. Although, um, yeah, for some reason, Cap Friendly has him as, oh, I guess, on the third line. Um, so I don't know how, or this third pairing. On the pair. third pairing, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm not hey, sure how if they... If they have to insulate him on the third pairing and they're getting yeah. that kind of production, I mean, yeah, no. you do you, man. I, I guess that's true. It's just like I know that Ghost Despair really isn't great on the defensive side of things. But yeah, if you can yeah. get get that, that like obviously when you get like that's the reason why he's in the league um, is uh, for his offensive abilities. So obviously you would you would take that ten times out of ten. But at the same time, it's like you know if we're saying that Detroit's biggest weakness right now is their defense and their goaltending you would kind of want to have someone um, who can also play defense well enough. But uh, it should also be noted for Detroit, speaking yeah. of uh, parts of their game, that could be a problem. Not only is um, their defensive defense a question mark. Yep. The fact that they have the third fewest hits, I know it might seem like a meaningless stat, but if they're oh, in fair. a position like, I don't know, they're going up against the Florida Panthers and uh, the Florida Panthers, I don't know if you saw that wild and wacky game against Ottawa where a bunch of misconducts were handed out in the third period. They were bumping Corpusello like it was nobody's business and, yeah. nothing, and nobody could stop them. Yeah. If they're caught in that dogfight where a team is just pushing them around, I'm awfully concerned um, as to how effective their offense can be if they're just going to be you know, driven into the boards, their goaltending is going to be bumped post-whistle yeah. every second or third sequence. Um, that kind of environment, I kind of question how good the Red Wings can be if they yep. run into that type of opponent. Yep, yep. Um, okay, and then our last question here is how good do we think Kane will be? Um, I know I just mentioned like that kind of crazy quote he had. So obviously he believes in himself and he's healthy or whatever. Um, I don't think he's going to get a 92-point pace um, <laughs> in 78 games. But... I do think he will be better than he was last year. Um, but like, yeah, if like, I I guess there's like roughly like 60 games left. Um, so I could see, and, and apparently, so what, what was funny is he signed on Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, the Red Wings played Chicago. Thursday, they play the Rangers. Uh, oh, I might've <laughs> gone that off. A little bit. So he would have, like, he wasn't ready yet, but um, if he did play on Wednesday or Thursday, um, he would have played against one of his former teams. Um, but, and then Detroit also played Montreal on Saturday. That's another original six team, but he hasn't played for them yet. Um, but, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so there's, there's that. But, um, so I, I guess I could see, like, um, I, I would imagine he'll be in the top six, um, probably playing with DeBrincat. Um, probably on the first power play unit as well. Yeah, I it might be a, like a Larkin DeBrincat line, which is pretty, which mm -hmm. isn't bad. Um, so, um, so I would say that, and that 
you know, if you have good line mates, you're probably gonna uh, gonna increase your point total as good as Kane is. Um, so I would say he's probably gonna be on like a sixty point pace um, for the rest of the year. Um, yeah, so I don't know what that would be once he's officially ready to go. Um, but, um, but yeah, I could, I could see that being like the case, which, you know, isn't bad. It's not what, like, you know, it's not like what he was a few years ago, but, um, he is past his prime coming off of an injury. You know, I think many Red Wings fans would accept a 60 point pace. I'm going to go, I'm going to go, um, I'm going to go 70. Wow. Uh, 70 point pace over 82 so whatever that is in like 55 or 60 games yeah um i i, I definitely think patrick Kane is a different breed from anyone else that's played and just the offensive situation that he's he's kind of putting himself into there, there with detroit and how their offense is clicking and if he gets top line power play minutes the way their power play is clicking that's yep. also going to inflate those numbers a little bit um so i definitely don't expect 70 points over 82 pace but i definitely think it's realistic wow no that's that's pretty bold i wish we i mean i guess we all have to like remember this at the end of the season on like what patrick Kane, like what we're actually right but um if if uh, i was saying 60 points you were saying 70 points i i don't know if we'll be able to remember that but um, but yeah, he's, he also just turned 35 years old. Yeah. Like this isn't a guy who's like 26. Yeah, no, no, that's true. But like 70 points is quite a lot. Having said yeah. everything that you're saying, so I don't know. That's a that's a substantial amount given the yeah. circumstances, his I guess, age. I guess he has hit that like Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin type level where it's like, yeah, they're 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 all past their prime. But even past their prime is like a first liner. Like you would take them any day of the week type type of player, yeah. so so he, he has he has reached that level. So I I could see it. I feel like it's it's a risky it's a risky prediction there, but I don't know I don't know if I can go that far though. Um, no. Before I get we get to the rapid fire though, I did want to pull off this quote that I saw while I was looking for the other quote because um, he was asked about like his. Um, you know, was there a draw with DeBrincat and how did he like playing with him in Chicago? Um, he said, I had a lot of success with him in Chicago playing there the last couple of years. We were there. He's a great kid. He's a fun kid to be around. We were very close on the ice, obviously, but even off the ice as well, he became one of my better friends. I think one of the things I really respected about him was he wasn't afraid to tell me what to do on the ice or give it back to me if we were getting a little heated on the bench. Um, I just wanted to include that quote because he referred to to Brinkat as a kid, um, and I mean you know whatever. But it, and like I I can understand that considering that to Brinkat was literally a kid when he was in Chicago, but it is funny that he's referring to a 25 year old now as a kid. Um, so <laughs> that was that was just something that I wanted to to put out there. But um, it is kind of a funny I also think it kind of speaks. It speaks a little bit of volumes too when a kid, you know, that young into his career, yeah. 
is is you know willing to offer feedback yeah. um of that magnitude like right back at you yeah right yeah at, uh, you know a guy that's won three cups right right, right. when he first became teammates with this when you saw to bring it with brady kachuk you know he's not yeah. one to back down no no it is a good point and i i assume like when patrick kane was saying that because like he's aware that like he was the superstar at this time when Debrinkat joined the team. He he had these three cups and all that stuff. Um, hell, like Debrinkat was drafted right at like in 2016, which is like the season after um, uh, the Blackhawks' third Stanley Cup. Um, and so I, I think he was coming from it like, oh wow, like who's this kid who's like telling me what to do? And then he you, you can kind of get some respect out of that. So I, I think that was just like a showing of like self-awareness from Patrick Kane being like, hey, oh, Debrinkat's like this rookie is like telling me what he thinks could work, even though it's like, you know, he's one of the best. Patrick Kane's been, I, th- I would say like Patrick Kane's probably top five best players in this uh, lockout era, would you say? Um, yeah, I, I, w- I would probably put him in that category. Yeah, it's like sure. Crosby, Ovechkin, Patrick Kane, um, and McDavid, I think would be the four for sure. Yeah. I'd have to think yeah. on the he, other Even one. though he's been in the league for less, yeah, yeah, I would say so. Um, I would, uh, I, I think I'm biased, but I probably would put Bergeron there. Um, but, uh, I'm sure there's a better example. So, um, don't at me there. Um, but... <laughs> Anyways, uh, so I wanted to get that off there. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention before we go to the rapid fire? Um, I'm going to call it now. Patrick Kane will make his debut against the Ottawa Senators because just how the way the world works. Yeah, yeah, I know you. You had mentioned that, but that would be that would be kind of funny. Um, I believe mm-hmm. so. I, be- I believe that he said that um, he would he'll be ready in seven to ten days, um, which. So they, the Red Wings play on Buffalo on Tuesday, um, so that would be seven days. Um, they play the Sharks on Thursday, so that would be roughly um, nine days. Uh, so he's more likely to play in Buffalo or San Jose, which would be kind of fitting because Buffalo is his hometown, as we know. Um, so maybe he, he goes uh, there. I can uh, see why he probably played the San Jose game because yeah. I feel like if you haven't played in a little bit and you want a good, you know, just like dip in the pool for the first time in months or whatever. Yeah. Um, and you, and you're free to make mistakes. Um, I would say San Jose is probably a better game to do that than a game against, you know, a team like Ottawa where everything's been so ramped up between these two teams out of the gate. And that's a game that both teams desperately want to win and need to win. So I, 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 now that I think about it, um, probably San Jose is the better play. At the same time, though, yep. uh, I feel like Patrick Kane is a guy that flourishes on the big stage. So he might just say, hey, that's a big game for us. Give me the big game. I yeah. want it. Well, I mean, I don't, no offense to you, Steve. I don't think the Ottawa Senators are a big game, um, really, because the Senators are not doing well um so um but uh but yeah i i think he might want to go play in his hometown in buffalo on tuesday i think that would be my um 
I Saturday mean, if, if he game. if he feels if he feels at full strength and and he's up for it, yeah, sure. But no. I, I'm sure Patrick Kane is also a team player, and whatever the team thinks is best, ultimately that's what's going to happen. Yeah, but at the same time, uh, Patrick Kane ha- deserves that um, recognition where he's like, okay, I'm ready, I'll I'll play. But we'll see. Um, in any case, I don't think it's worth worth uh, talking more about. Um, it should be noted, by the way, the next time they play against Buffalo in Buffalo is March 12th, and then uh, March 16th in Detroit, they play the Sabres again. Wow. So there are two more games after uh, this matchup uh, this coming Tuesday. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, okay, so now we go to the rapid fire. I'm starting the timer. Um, okay. So the other topic that we were debating on covering um, instead of this was uh, Dean Evanson of the Minnesota. He was the coach of the Wild. Um, he gets fired, and John Hines is in um, is in the uh, the system or whatever. Um, this was mm-hmm. due because the Minnesota Wild had lost seven straight. Um, the last loss they had was in Detroit, so uh, so I, I could have made that connection there. However, they've won three straight right now. Um, it might just be the new coach effect or whatever, but um, but that's kind of cool to see if you're a Minnesota Wild fan. Um, and yeah, the Minnesota Wild are struggling um, even still with those uh, three wins. Uh, they are they are seventh um, in the Central. Uh, with 20 points, um, I guess it's possible that they make the playoffs now. Um, and maybe they, they're thinking of like a 2019 Blues type run type of thing. Um, so I guess it's possible. But yeah, I mean, I think I think from this element that like the Wild are always considered like a boring team. I know that they have good players like Kaprizov, Boldy, and Marco Rossi now. Um, but at the same time, it's like no one really pays attention to Minnesota. Um, for whatever reason. Um, and um, I didn't even realize this, but Dean Evanson had made the playoffs the last four years and every time they went out in the first round. Um, so, like, you know, usually this is what teams do when they um, are struggling and just need a spark. So um, we'll see what happens. Um, but I, I imagine maybe there will eventually need to be some more changes However, with the cap situation that Minnesota has, um, you know, it's going to be a while because um, of like uh, the Parise and Suter stuff kind of messes up their cap for, as we've talked about in the past. Yeah, and I mean, you have a guy like Kirill Kaprizov on the top of his game, you know, yep. his contract in a few years is going to be expiring. Uh, apparently, the owner is not interested in a rebuild either, so... Uh, Bill Guerin is basically tasked with doing uh, what he can to improve this roster for the immediate future. And, you know, like you said, he's only got a certain amount of cap space to do that. The team is struggling. They have the worst penalty kill at 70% in the league, which is tough to think about when you consider all of the uh, well-versed defensemen they have in Jake Middleton and Jared Spurgeon, who's been lost for most of the year due to injury. And Jonas Brodeen and a young guy like Brock Faber in the mix as well. Um, to to see them kind of fall from grace like that is is pretty shocking. And um, they're definitely capable of better. And um, I think 
the coaching change, unfortunately for Dean Evison, um, is what was needed to kind of spark this group. Because um, if you're not going to be rebuilding, um, I don't I don't know what other choice you have other than to make a coaching change. It was probably the easiest move to make. Um, and uh, heading into uh, Christmas, it'll be interesting to see where they finish uh, in the standings and heading into the new year. Um, if they're still seventh in the central, uh, that'll be a tough hill to climb for them. Yep, yep. Uh, Dougie Hamilton is out long term. Um, it seems like it's going to be weeks. It's unclear, I guess, about the timetable, but for now he's out long term. There was a bit of, it was kind of some funniness going on where Brendan Smith, who had played on the wing he, uh, for a game, he played on defense and he was on the fourth line and the third pair um, in the same game. Um, so it was kind of like funny to see that. I don't think that's ever happened in NHL history. So it's kind of like, and good for Brendan Smith to do that. However, the reason why we bring this up is not only because, you know, it's going to be a significant loss for Detroit, uh, New Jersey, sorry. Um, but also Simon Nemec, uh, the second overall pick a few years ago, uh, he made his NHL debut. And not only that, he got uh, the first pairing lineup um, and he got two assists. The Devils did end up losing that game, um, but I wanted to point that out where it's like, oh, this is, this could be something. It is kind of funny, though, because uh, I know the Devils also have Luke Hughes. Um, so, mm-hmm. so, yeah, they'll have a, you know, and, and once Dougie's healthy, it's like they'll have something, some decisions, I assume, in the near future and whatnot. But, um, but yeah, it's... Uh, it, Obviously, this is a huge loss, but on the bright side, it's like, okay, we'll see what Simon Nemec uh, can do. Yeah, uh, Devils also, um, their power plays at 36%. Their penalty killing, however, is at 75%, which yeah. is uh, not good. Yep. Um, and yeah, uh, for, for Luke Hughes, I'm interested to see with a bigger role how he's going to be able uh, to flourish over there. Because he's going to be getting, you know, the the top shutdown guys, you know, now that everyone's not focused on Hamilton, all the attention will be circled around him and I'll be his first big test as a rookie. So interested to see how he responds to. Yep. Um, so this is a continuation of a topic that we talked about last week. Um, it was pretty, it mm-hmm. got pretty uh, juicy, um, like on Monday and Tuesday, Um but because there was a rumor that spread around, I don't want to mention it, even though you probably have heard it. Um, You've right probably now. seen it on Twitter. Yeah, or but I don't want to like spread it really. So, um, but there was a huge rumor that was involving Connor Bedard. Uh, I can say that much. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it was all over Twitter, all over Reddit. Um, and then that was when the next day uh, the Blackhawks had to put Corey Perry on waivers in uh, so that they could terminate his contract um, and um, and address the media saying that, hey, um, it happened to involve Connor Bedard's family. So they had to say like, hey, no teammates were involved in this incident. Um, it seems like what happened is uh, Corey Perry got drunk at a corporate event and offended a lot of the higher ups, um, uh, management in Chicago, um, and um, and then the were pers- sponsors in attendance as well. Sponsors were in attendance as well. This is according yeah, to so, yeah, yep, yep. This is according to Emily Kaplan of ESPN. So um, it seems reliable. 
Um, yep, that'll and, do it. That that'll be enough to you know yeah. have a team say bye bye to your contract. Yeah, to get out of there. Exactly, and um, obviously it's like you know I I think given Chicago's history, it's like we were all yeah. had a right to be skeptical. Um, and and I think that was like a big reason why that rumor even started was it's like hey like let's make up this rumor that like Chicago has to talk about it. Um, yeah, there's and, such an easy yeah. target and everyone's going to believe it. However, it seemed like, and Kyle Davidson seemed like he was near tears uh, during this yeah. because he was kind of responsible for this because I guess he could have just came out and, you know, he could have avoided this whole thing um, if they were more open a little bit. But at the same time, it seems like whoever Corey Perry uh, deeply offended uh, doesn't want to be public about it, which is they're right um of course and so that kind of like started this whole situation where it's like oh well chicago maybe they're covering up something again and and then um so kyle davidson still had to be a little bit cagey because he but he did mention like hey it wasn't a criminal thing it wasn't um it didn't involve any family members or teammates or anything like that um it was just like a you know a corporate thing um so yeah, we'll see. Uh, Corey Perry um, said that he's going to rehab now. Um, I imagine this will be it for him in his career. Um, but like you know, kind of like a Milan Lucic type situation because Lucic also went to rehab after um, his thing. Um, but um, but yeah, I, I like uh, so so now we kind of know what happened. Um, and now I feel like kind of bad that we like were so um, invested in this story when it's like, oh, it's like we should just mind our business, basically. But that's the Internet for you. <laughs> I had a hard time believing that Corey Perry would be that stupid to allegedly pull off that rumor that everyone yeah. thought was fact. No, I um, give you credit for that. And I was I to, believed it for, for a couple. Of yeah, to be f- uh, to. Um, Whoever created that rumor, frick you. Um, You probably created a lot of distress and a lot of confused faces throughout the Connor Bedard household, throughout Patrick, uh, throughout Corey Perry's household. By the way, he's a married man. uh, So that's probably created, you know, a lot of tough conversations in his household too. It's a bad situation all around. My statement from last week still stands. I hope Corey Perry gets the help he needs, and I hope he's better for this. Um, I also uh, would like to dial back my comments on the Blackhawks PR department because I realize, looking back, there's only so much they could do. But at the very least, they could have said something to, I don't know, have the Connor Bedard narrative die a lot sooner. So Connor Bedard and his family didn't have to go through all of those Twitter rumors. Um, I still think whatever information the Blackhawks could deliver, it would have been enough for people to get off Connor Bedard's back. And for not doing that, um, I hope they learn from that lesson. And uh, the next time a situation like this arises, they handle it better. Um, Don't don't pick on easy targets, however tempting it might be. And uh, let this be a lesson to hockey fans everywhere. Um, Even if you come up with a silly rumor, if it's so silly and so believable, people are going to take it seriously. Yeah, yeah. 
and you're going to get a situation like this. So yeah. there's something we can all learn from. There that. was a part of my brain that was thinking when this rumor was truly spreading that it was like, well, it's probably not true, but it's going to um, force the Blackhawks to uh, mention it. And, and then that was like a positive. And then once it yeah. happened, and once the Chicago uh, Blackhawks and Davidson acknowledged it, then I felt really bad because then I was like, oh, okay. Like, it happened. Yeah. I predicted I it mean, kind of. you got your wish, but at what cost? Yeah. And now <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit, of course. Like, these people have real feelings and all that stuff. So yeah. I, so <laughs> these now are actual yeah. human beings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So now I'm like, oh, okay. Like, this is, I, I can't believe I fell for that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So anyways, moving on. Uh, the Blackhawks, I guess, after this news that they terminated Corey Perry's contract, they went out and got Anthony Bavillier from the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, the Canucks got get a 2024 fifth-round pick. Um, I believe Bavillier had requested a trade, uh, so so this isn't that surprising. Also, they saved mm. $4.1 million um, off of their cap. However, uh, the next day, the Canucks do go out and get uh, Nikita Zadorov uh, from Calgary, um, for a 2024 fifth round pick from Chicago, um, which is a conditional pick. Um, so yeah, it was basically yeah. the pick they got from Beauvillier. Yeah. They shipped it to Calgary and also, they also included the third. Yeah. Uh, in 2026. Um, so, yeah. so there's that. So basically it's like Zadora for Beauvillier, um, and like in a weird three-way trade, although I guess Chicago and Calgary didn't make a trade on their own as well. I find so. it hilarious that Bovillier was the centerpiece of the Bo Horvat trade, and oh, yeah. uh, the Canucks traded him for a fifth. Yeah, like, but not even a full year later. I guess that's true, but Bovillier did request a trade. Also, it's like he did. Yeah, technically they get Zadorov. So if you think of it as like they traded Bo Horvat for Zadorov, it's like okay, maybe that's something, but. Obviously, Zadorov isn't equal to a Bo Horvat, but I guess that's a fair point. Yeah. Um, At the same time, though, uh, if the Canucks are looking for shutdown defense and it makes yeah. them a better team right now, and this better team that you're building right now is able to lock up Elias Peterson long-term because he believes in what the organization is doing, yep. then for a short-term investment, you can definitely justify it. Uh, long-term, eh, we'll see. They might regret it, but... Um, they're not thinking about long-term right now. They're trying to put forth the best team they can right now. Yeah. And the best team they have right now is currently 16, 8-1 through 25 games. Well, just looking at, I mean, Zadorov does have one more year left, so if this isn't going to work, like they can just let him go in the mm -hmm. offseason. Zadorov also requested a trade out of Calgary. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought we had mentioned that, but that's a good point. We we did, but yeah. yeah. A um, lot of people requesting trades and getting the wishes. Yeah, basically. Um, also, it is kind Kind of funny how like calgary and vancouver made a trade together i know it's not like the battle of alberta but it is kind of funny it's like oh they're like two canadian teams who are near each other um and all that stuff um yeah have a calgary is in the position where either use these players or get draft picks for them yeah like don't mess around yeah it's what they should do but it's funny that they they traded them to someone in the division um but yeah mm -hmm. i assume like Calgary, this is like the first move that Calgary is going to make. Um, we have a few seconds left. I did want to mention that Alex Newhook is out 10 weeks with a high ankle sprain. Um, also, Adam Fox returns. Um, so there's that. Uh, down to the wire, I also want to mention, uh, yay for Tristan Jerry. He, we have yep. a goalie goal for the second oh, straight right. campaign, yep. an actual legit goalie goal. 
And uh, tip of the hat to St. Montebo for striking rich in Montreal. Three-year deal, $3.15 million is the annual cap. Yep. Um, also, I don't. I just saw this just now, so I'll include it even though the timer just went off. But uh, Kale mm-hmm. McCarr, I saw he, he went out um, in the last night's uh, game against the Ducks. Um, like mm-hmm. he didn't play at all in the third period, I think, and overtime. Um, yeah. But... Uh, it looks like he's not playing today because uh, Colorado plays today. So it, it looks like it might be day-to-day, but it's unclear on how long he's going to be. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about him more um, if if there's um, a significant thing um, next week. Yeah, it's uh, uh, detailed yeah. as a lower body injury. Yeah. It says you won't play against the Kings, yeah. and that's all we know. So we'll probably have more info next week. Yeah, and I, I guess I sh- on that same note, because that it was the same game, um, I watched that Ducks Colorado game. Um, Leo Carlson is incredible. Um, he had a <laughs> he had a goal and an assist. He also had a shootout goal that ended up winning the game for them. Because um, I was watching like the first period, I was just like, yeah. And uh, Colorado comes out. They they're up three to one. I kind of turn it off and watch something else. And then I have this like goal tracker for fantasy hockey purposes. And then all of a sudden, like the next period starts and I see like, oh, Leo Carlson scores a goal. So then I start watching again. because I'm like, oh, it's 3-2. And then all of a sudden they get, it's 3-3. And then I'm like, oh, is this like the Ducks that I saw beat the Boston Bruins? The same Ducks that beat the Vegas Golden Knights? Are they going to do it again? And they did do it again. And they... Uh, they beat Colorado, but Colorado just stopped trying in the third period. It was kind of crazy, um, but maybe that has a lot to do with Kale McCarr not being a hundred percent and all that stuff. But yeah, so um, one thing to keep in mind on before we wrap up, yeah. I realize the timer's gone off long, yeah, yeah. long ago. Yeah. I broke um, that rule too. So <laughs> no a report uh, from the score.com uh, source from uh, hockey nine Canada's headline segment. Uh, Maple Leafs attempted to acquire Chris Tanev and or Nikita Zadorov from the Calgary Flames, however, due to salary cap constraints, surprise, surprise, uh, they couldn't make either deal happen, but it looks like they are looking for a shutdown defenseman. Uh, So monitor what uh, the Leafs might do to try and make that happen. Uh, It should be an interesting uh, final weeks of uh, 2023, and I'm sure uh, if the Leafs don't do something uh, before the new year flips, uh, probably as we get closer to the trade deadline and we start to find out where everyone is and who might be available. Um, the, the, if they haven't gotten a shutdown D by then, they'll be looking for one. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, okay, yeah. I, I did. I also wanted to mention that, like, I feel like Leo Carlson, like, I know that it's a shame that he, like, I, I, we talked about this a few weeks ago, but it is a shame that he only plays every, like, or, like, he plays three games a week now um or he takes some games off because i feel like if he played um he played more often he would have a shot at the calder trophy um although it seems like Connor bedard has that unlock already so maybe there is i mean it wouldn't have mattered, if, if the growing pains happen uh, this year and it makes him a much better player yep. moving forward no, no. i don't think he cares if he misses out on the calder trophy True, true. I mean, it will help him out long term, but I know it's like definitely yeah. going to affect his uh, the when the Calder opens up. Even if he plays all of the second half, 
Like, I know Calder voters, like, because it's happened in the past where the Calder voters are like, but Connor Bedard, he was better all season. Um, whereas if, like, Leo Carlson all of a sudden, like, turns into, like, I guess the only way is if Leo Carlson turns it up in the second half even more so. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I feel like it's Bedard who's going to win the Calder anyways. If you want to look at stats, Calder trophy classes before we wrap up, 92, 93 was pretty lit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, well, you can't just say that and not say who the players are. (laughs) Well, I know Joe Juno and Felix, the cat pod fan were runners up. Timu Solani also scored 76 Uh, goals. So he definitely headlined that class. Uh, but Eric Lowe. Lindros uh, was, you know, also like just getting yeah. going in his NHL career too. Like it's yeah. um, there, the, the amount of lanes on that list, just Google it. Um, it's, it's a quite uh, an interesting piece to read up on. Definitely worth your time. Sure. To look through NHL history on I that believe, particular season. I believe Panarin was out, like he was a rookie when McDavid and Eichel were rookies. So that's, uh, that's the one that I think stands out to me, but um but yeah, when you were saying like Joe Juno and like it's like who is that? But then you you should have just let off with Timo Solani and Eric Lindros. Um, yeah, the top five were Timo Solani, Joe Juno, Felix the Catpaw fan, Eric Lindros, and Vladimir Malikov. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So there's a couple that like Felix Potvin that are still recognizable, but yeah, there's a couple that mm-hmm. I'm like uh, Eric Lindros is a Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I, I'm not talking about that. I was just talking about like there's some that are like oh, it's like they're not as memorable or didn't have a, as great of a career afterwards. Um, anyways, um, yeah, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Lace Up Podcast, where you'll get updates on on uh, newer episodes. Uh, you can also subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcast. Um, if you just don't wanna check Twitter, which I can understand. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's about it. I'm Brett Dubuff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 391 of the Lace Up Podcast.